Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. We will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I will provide you with guests and information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here at Movie Beat. I have opened the chat window, so if you're listening in and you'd like to join the chat room and uh, perhaps ask a question, uh, and if time permits, certainly we'll be able to take that. I want to thank everybody, all of my listeners, for tuning in and for spreading the word about MovieBeat to your friends and your industry connections and for your emails and your phone calls and your feedback and your support. And if you're listening live, the official Rex Likes Movie Beat website is www. R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. That's where you'll find all the interviews, you'll find blogs, you'll find uh, what's hot and fun around the country, around the nation, around the world. You'll find uh, hot news in the local area. You'll find cast and crew information, and you've got access to all these interviews, both live and archived. Now, you can also subscribe to the uh, official Rex Likes Movie Beat page by going to the welcome page and clicking on the RSS feed button. That way you'll always be updated to changes in the website. And keep in mind, if you're listening to this live, uh, go ahead and you can friend us, you can make us a favorite, you can tweet it, you can share it. And I want to thank everybody who is following on, on Twitter and uh, who is tweeting about the shows and about the interviews. I really appreciate that, and I want everyone to know that you have my express permission to go ahead, good taste prevailing, and repost these interviews and repost uh, my website and the blogs and the information anywhere and everywhere, Facebook, MySpace, go ahead and spread it to your friends, let them know through email or through your favorite means. I sure appreciate it. Also, if you hear about something coming up before I do, feel free to email me. I'll try and vet it, and I'll try and get it up on the, uh, on the website just as soon as is possible. Um, if you're listening to an archive show, keep in mind that there are other fantastic interviews right here at RexSykes.com. I am so pleased with the guest lineup that I've had such incredible information coming your way because what, what, what Movie Beat is really about is about connecting you up with people who are making it happen, professionals who are doing the jobs and then telling you how they do them and what they do so that you have a better understanding and so that you can make your projects more efficiently uh, more effectively, and hopefully on time and under budget. Before I bring on my guest today, uh, keep in mind, as I say, that you can share this anywhere. And again, I want to thank you so much. Just a couple of announcements. I attended the opening gala party for Milwaukee Film Festival last night. I had an enjoyable time. So many uh, filmmakers there, feature filmmakers, documentarians, actors, writers, you know, everybody who attends film festivals. The festival continues until October 4th. There's a good lineup of films, so if you're in the Milwaukee area, or if you're listening in now, be sure to uh, attend the festival. October, 
1st through the 4th in Louisville, Kentucky as their International Film Festival. So uh, you might want to check that out. Madison, Wisconsin, the Madison Horror. It's October 3rd and 4th. That is a film, uh, horror film festival, the great lineup of uh, horror stars. Uh, I guess the uh, headliner there will be Stuart Gordon, and he'll be appearing both Saturday and Sunday there. So you can check the Hot News uh, blog on uh, Movie Beat to find out more information about that. Also, uh, two days of horror, October 10th and 11th, I'm emceeing. It's Zombie Con X, again, 20 or more film stars, zombie dolls, zombies, events, flicks. I've got a movie showing there that I'm in and a couple of trailers for two more movies that I'm uh, starring in or appearing in. Um, October 8th through the 11th in uh, Erie, uh, Pennsylvania, is the Erie Horror Fest. Uh, it is October, so there's a lot of uh, uh, horror film festivals going on right now. And uh, here's a change of venue, uh, or change of dates. Kevin Sorbo Celebrity Golf, a world fit for kids, his charity, uh, which was to be in October, has been pushed back to June 10th and 11th of 2010 in Las Vegas. So that gives you extra time to plan to be there. Uh, if you're a golfer and uh, you uh, want to do something nice for children, uh, that is Kevin Servo Celebrity Golf, moved from October to June 10th and 11th in 2010, and that is in Las Vegas. I am very pleased today. Oh, and go to the Hot and Fun blog on uh, Rex Sykes Movie, and you can learn more about all of these uh, different events. My guest today... Uh, is Peter Marshall. This will be Peter Marshall Part 2. He's going to be talking about being a first assistant director, and so far he's had a 35-year career, and he's worked as a PA, a dolly grip, an electrician, an assistant cameraman, commercial production manager, first assistant director, a TV series creative consultant, a television producer, and a director. He's got a long and well-rounded career. He's going to be talking to us today uh, again, about uh, breaking down a script, uh, going into pre-production, scheduling, and, and many different things. Peter's directed over 30 episodes of television drama. He's written and directed over 50 hours of documentary educational programs. He's won international film awards and been nominated for them. Uh, he's been a first assistant director on at least 12 feature films and 15 TV movies and television, six television series. The Fly 2 is the movie that he broke into on as a first AD. His other credits include Happy Gilmore, Dawn of the Dead, The Butterfly Effect, the Lizzie McGuire movie, Look Who's Talking Now, Bird on a Wire, you know, and many more. So uh, he's also got programs on, on uh, and he can tell you more about that. And it's all on, on, on his bio page in the interview section of uh, Rex Sykes' movie. Beat. But he can tell you more about all of this because I'm going to welcome him right now. Peter, good morning. Hi, Rex. Good morning, Rex. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It sounds like and you're you've doing been, very well, too. Oh, thank you so much. And you've been traveling, and you're back, and you got yep. to join us. you want to catch us up to date just a little bit? Yeah, I think since the last time we talked was a few weeks ago, I was off to Regina um, to do a couple of my uh, workshops. I did a, for the Directors Guild, and uh, I did a film scheduling workshop and a, uh, a directing workshop. So it was a sort of a big week, and I got back last week, and here we are. So um, it's nice to be here. And so glad to have you back. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask that we just jump right in. We're going to kind of pick up where we were headed or where you and I uh, had left off the last time. I encourage listeners, if they have not yet uh, heard Part 1, to go ahead and uh, and uh, listen to that interview as well. 
Uh, part one was just chock full of valuable information and insights from Peter, and uh, I'm looking forward to this now. So, Peter, we were talking about uh, um, some of the things you need to know to become a first aid. Now I'd like to ask you, what are the primary duties and responsibilities of a first aid during the pre-production process? Well, there's a, there's a lot of them, but I, I tend to break things down into numbers because it just sort of simplifies the process a lot. And so there's, there's, a, there's a lot of little details in between, but there's roughly eight things um, that the assistant script when you get into... I'm sorry, Peter. I, I, I think there was a dropout on the sound there. And I want to make sure that you just repeat what you said. There were about eight things. and Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's roughly eight things. Like there's all the little details in between, but the, the overview, there's a roughly eight things that as a first AD you do in pre-production. And, and the first is breaking down the script. When you get the job, you read the script, the first day in the office or the first week in the office, you're essentially breaking down the script. And I'll go into that in a little bit of detail later in, the, in this call. Uh, but that's number one. You've got to break it all down and stick it into the computer, and and that's the uh, and which leads into the second thing <clears throat> that you really do is prepare the what we call the one-liner, um, uh, which is uh, you're inputting all the details of the script into a computer program, uh, and then you use the computer program to manipulate to make a schedule, which is the third thing. You design the shooting schedule, and ultimately. That's your job is to say, on day one, we're going to shoot these scenes, and it's going to take this long to shoot them. And that's really your job is to organize. It's a, it's a huge sort of puzzle, um, but that's your, the process you do in prep. Uh, so basically, break down the script, prepare the one-liner, which is inputting the computer. Uh, number three is designing the shooting schedule. Um, number four is you create the day-to-days, and that's all from the computer. You push a button, and day-to-days is the cast day-to-days. In other words, it shows um, which cast are working on what day, and everybody needs this because it's uh, for booking actors, uh, act budgets, and all of that. The other big thing that an assistant director does, or the assistant directors do in this case, is schedule all the meetings uh, for the director. And there's lots and lots of meetings that the director um, uh, has to go into, uh, everything from props, wardrobe, animals if you have them, visual effects, stunts. These are all the meetings. Anything that's in the script, the director needs to talk to the department heads about and they need to go over the script on. So everybody hates meetings, but there's lots of meetings in, in, in film. Uh, number six is location scouts. Um, you're always in a van uh, with the director, producer, location manager, production designer, and you're looking for locations. And uh, and that's you're always watching, observing. Uh, and then when you get back, you make adjustments to your board based on locations. So location scouts is a huge part of your job in prep because everybody wants to know the location you're shooting in. And then once that's locked, then everything art department can go to work, and you can go to work on scheduling what days so it's it's pretty big where near the end of a, a prep and you still don't have locations tension runs fairly high because your schedule is basically based primarily on the locations first so it's a lot of work there number seven um, is the shooting times um, this is a lot of people have asked me well how do you figure out how long it's going to take it to shoot a scene uh, that comes primarily with experience of being on a set and just watching and observing. Um, I do talk in my workshops and a little more specific in my, my online courses about how to to uh, start to figure them out. It's, it's sort of impossible to talk about it now. 
Um, but it is the other big important factor, uh, you know, designing the schedule, how long is it going to take uh, to do that. And essentially the last thing is preparing the call sheet. Uh, the call sheet is the information that uh, the crew and the actors get every night uh, that, t- that tells them uh, basically what are we doing the next day. We're doing these scenes, this is where we're going, this is, who, this is the times, um, the call times where everybody has to show up. So the second AD the, um, puts that together, but you as the first AD have to give them the information. So that's the it's an overview, a very quick overview of the duties and responsibilities during pre-production. I'm going to ask you a quick question. Um, you have two fabulous courses. One is a script breakdown and scheduling course, and the other is a, a course for directors. And, and, and as I mentioned in your bio, and as people are aware, you direct as well as first AD. Um, we're talking about pre-production, and, I, and I, I want to get back to that. But what, what's the difference between what the first AD does in, in pre-production and what the director does? Oh, that's a good question. Um, basically, the, the director is responsible for all the creative issues. In other words, um, the casting. Uh, it's uh, the director... Uh, interprets the script and visually they they uh, talk with the producers and the writers about script revisions their their feeling or their style of the script they're honing the script to to taking what the what's on the page and they have to translate it visually so that's what's one of the first jobs just like we do as an ad you do the script breakdown the director works on the script um, casting is is the next big thing um, they they go into casting sessions it's about who who's going to fill these roles, and then uh, and then obviously locations because I'm with them, but they're determining the look with the production designer. It's the creator and the director of photography. It's about the look of the picture, the visual style. Does this house represent what we're talking about in the script? And uh, so that's important. Uh, shot lists. Uh, the director sitting down on their own time and starting to figure out how to shoot each scene. Uh, is it a wide shot? Is it, how many close-ups do they have? What's the visual style they're after? So really, when you think of it, maybe a first AD and a, and a director, think of right brain and left brain, if you will, the creative and the logic side. Uh, the director is more in the right brain um, creative element, and the AD is in the logic. How do I put all this together to facilitate that? I think that's the more simple way to put it. I, I think that's a very apt description. I appreciate that, so that people have... Uh, for those who may not know the difference, you know, in terms of of just the tasks, you know, or the responsibilities exactly. that yes. you need to bring to. Well, I've, I've been on set, exactly. I've been on sets, or or, or when uh, when uh, people that have never been on a film set sort of strike upon a film set and watch, they always think the assistant director is the director because he's the one or she's the one always standing up, moving around, telling everybody what to do, and the director just sits in a chair and calls, you know. Um, you know, action and cut. <laughs> it's sort of like, right, right. it's just sort of, as you know, I mean, you're a director as well, and it's like, so the AD is just the one that's always out there, and uh, it, that's the job. It, it, it's a little bit like the sergeant major in the Army. It's, uh, it's just moving them, moving everybody along, and, um, and facilitating, and, and the AD, and the AD department, I should say, is not the first AD, but the AD department facilitates everything for production for the director, makes sure everything shows up when it's supposed to show up, and and uh, that's the responsibilities. Oh, that's fantastic, um, and I and I appreciate you for, for uh, you know, expanding on both of this. Um, 
I want to come back to the pre-production. I'm, I'm going to go forward for a couple questions and then and then and then return to the process of breaking down and scheduling and preparing one-liners, if that's mm -hmm. all right with you. Sure. Um, but what are the primary duties and responsibilities of the first AD on the set? Uh, well, that's a big one as well, and I'll just sort of give you an overview of that. Um, now, here's something you probably won't hear uh, too many people say, but I believe the first AD gets paid primarily for designing the schedule than running the set um, because it's a domino effect, um, that if you don't get it right on the schedule, it's going to take time and money to fix it. So you really, really need to know how to schedule uh, first. Uh, running a set is, uh, you know, if you're on the set for a while as, as a trainee or a second AD, you can get the hang of, of you know how the process works it's it's not uh it's not that difficult uh you know it takes a while to get a hold of it but that's the easy part of the job in one one sense it, it's designing everything to get there is is i believe the hardest and, and and actually to a certain extent more creative part of the first ad's job so i always preface saying that um and uh now i learned a long time ago i was a um, a second AD, I think you know the story, but when I was a second AD in the, in the 80s and I was doing a TV show and I got a little flustered when I had to direct a second unit and I, I started stumbling about, well, what's the order here? And, and a dolly grip at that time, um, and uh, he's a good friend with me now, but he said, Peter, come here. He said, and I, and I walked over and he said, there's five stages. He said, there's blocking, lighting, uh, rehearsing, tweaking and shooting and I've always remembered that and it's like that's the five stages of, of how a film is run and I'll just break that down a little bit for you because it's like the engine that runs the movie so these five stages are blocking and, and blocking is when you first um, come into and you're first on the clock and you're into the location uh, all the actors come in and the crew is standing around and the director and the actors will block or what we call stage the scene. Where is everyone going to be? Are you going to stand over here? Are you going to come in here? Do you want to sit down over here? Do you want to walk to the window? It's blocking the action. And it's really not for performance, like for, for line reading or anything. It's, it's blocking is, is basically the relationship of the camera in the movement with the actors. And that's essentially what everybody wants to know about. So that, that takes a little bit of time Every scene you do that, so you block it. And what that is is you go through the script with the actors, they move around, and when it's set and when it's done, the camera assistants put little marks on the floor where the actors are going to be. And then once they have finished that and, the, and we know what the first shot is, we're going to do a master or a big wide shot from over here, then the actors go away. And we go into the second stage, which is called lighting. And the second team or the stand-ins come in in place. Stand-ins are watching the actors as they move around. So the stand-ins come in, and then the director of photography will start lighting the set. I mean, it makes sense. And, and then the camera crew will position the camera uh, based on where the, we, the first shot's going to be. So that process can be half an hour to three hours, depending on the scene, the movie, the budget, is it a TV series, is it a feature? Um, but that's the crucial part of the movie making engine so that's the second part the third part is rehearsing and after all the technical elements have been done but you're still not 100 percent ready you bring the actors back and now the technical crew and the actors will now 
rehearse the whole scene. An actor comes through a door, sits in the, sits down on the couch, another person comes in, they stand up, or whatever the scene is. That's all now rehearsed with the actors and with the camera and the boom and boom, the sound boom and the dolly grips, and even, all the movements now rehearsed. Think of it as a ballet. I always like to say it's like a ballet. and Everything has to be um, all meshed together and all work together as a performance. And the director's sitting at a monitor right now because they can see through the camera. And uh, we work it out. And then we rehearse the scene, and then we stop. We make adjustments. The actor may want to move over there. Uh, the DP may want to adjust something. So once we're say, once the director says, okay, I'm fine to shoot, the fourth part happens, which is called finals or tweaking. And this is where the hair makeup department and wardrobe comes in to final the actors, final touch the makeup, the hair, put the coats on. Uh, the DP may, you know, add another uh, a flag or adjust a light during this process. The, kind of the focus puller is getting his final marks. Uh, everybody is finaling, getting ready for the shot, and that's uh, what we, we call finals. And the fifth process, of course, is shooting, and that's uh, when the camera turns on, the slate comes in, and, and the actor or the director calls action. And it's uh, it's only at this first stage, at this first time you're going to start shooting, that I believe that everything is going to really see itself for the first time. Rehearsal blocking, of course, is just for the camera to see where the DP is going to light. But in the rehearsals, actors are walking in. They may not be giving their 100% performance because it's still about their relationship to the camera for the rehearsal. So this is what I call the 100%. And now everybody's going 100%. And when the director calls cut... It's like little adjustments. It's the only time you. It's the first time you really see everybody going 100%. So things can change, um, can change at that part. And um, so it's like you never really know until the camera's rolling exactly what's going to happen. Maybe actors uh, speak faster or walk faster, uh, and all that kind. Of. I have a funny story where we were shooting. Um, I think everybody knows probably by now what a Steadicam is. It's the. It's the. Uh, it's a sort of the it's a camera on a it's strapped around a cameraman but it's like a a pogo system it's sort of a, it's like a shock absorber and it's used everywhere now and we were rehearsing this was for a TV series a long time ago and we were rehearsing in a hallway of a hotel and those three actors came around the corner and we worked and they had this dialogue sequence all the way down the corridor and then we actually built a little false exit where they would go through this door because they were supposed to go out to the roof or something. So we built this false exit at the end of the corridor. So we blocked the scene, got our pace, uh, we lit it, and we came back for rehearsal. And there's five of us sort of walking back with the actors. So finally we decided to, uh, let's roll. So we rolled. Well, once everything got up and the adrenaline got going, the actors started walking faster than they ever did in blocking and they did in rehearsal. And we were just plowing on the way back, and we got so fast we couldn't stop. We actually smashed into the uh, the set that was built and <laughs> took it out, and the camera went backwards. <laughs> Nobody was hurt, but it was a disaster. Um, it, it was just it, we just totally crashed into the wall, and uh, and uh, all we did was a lot of laughing, and we had to shoot some other way while the art department was called in to fix the set. But that's an example. Um, the uh, and and things like with explosions. I was a uh, first AD with John Woo, and we did a, a big, large uh, TV movie with him. Of course, everything's large with John Woo and a lot of action. And we were rehearsing a scene where the actors uh, were coming out of a warehouse, and we rehearsed and rehearsed, and there were supposed to be explosions. Now that was going to happen after when we rolled, 
but you know, we rehearse where they're coming. Police cars come up. It's all one big shot. Three cameras rolling, and, uh, and then we would call bang where the explosions would go off, so the actors would be aware of that. So we did all that, set it all up, and was at night. And uh, so we were going to roll, and we got the explosions ready to go, and everything went hot, and we rolled. And uh, boom, the act, John yelled action, and the actors came out, and when the explosions came off, they just started running and got to the police car and got in, and, and the police car took off, and, and uh, John yelled cut. And, uh, and he said, how is that, everybody? And the first, the first the focus puller on the A camera, who has to pull focus on the actors, he kind of looked at John and said, "They ran a lot faster. Uh, they ran a lot faster when we right now." And he looked at him and he go, "They always do." And that's <laughs> the, when there's explosions happening around you, you're running for your life. So it was a good good thing to find out about. So, yeah, it's a good thing yeah. to know too. I mean, if you're somebody who's preparing a movie to to, to understand, you know, that there's going to be that that change there, especially as you say with explosions. Let let me ask you this. Um, and, and this is just an aside because, uh, like I said, I do want to get back. But we're, we're talking primarily movies or features, um, but you've also directed television and TV series. You know, you've been on. Uh, is there a difference between, in, in terms of the hectic pace and the schedule and the, and, the, and the different way that TV, you know, schedules are done, is there a difference or, or, or what are the differences between the um, the five stages of running a film set and, and uh, can you address that? I mean, if you understand what my question is, I guess. You mean sort of what's the difference? Like making a movie is making a, you know, putting a film through the camera, if you will, is, but is it television is one thing and features another. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, in, just yeah. in terms of the schedule, I mean, in terms of work hours and days and, and how fast things are done. and Right. Well, episodic television, which is you turn your TV on and all your favorite shows are are uh, what we call the sausage factory and and they're churned out uh, pretty quick and i think our my last interview i think we talked about page pages and how many pages and right to shoot and television has to be quick if you take a one-hour episode uh you have i'm using as a ballpark here say maybe eight pages a day you have to shoot um because you have maybe a 55 60 page script uh in an hour to shoot uh, where feature films, big movies, can maybe do two, three pages a day, and they've got 40, 50 days to shoot uh, two-hour movies. So it's fairly relative in one sense, but there's not a lot of time to work with actors, to light. It's a very fast television. is extremely fast-paced. You have to be very well, all departments have to be extremely well organized, or it's going to fall apart um, very quickly. Uh, the same process happens, the same five stages happen, no matter what you're shooting, whether you're doing a commercial, um, big mega million dollar movie or a low budget indie, it's all the same process. It's the time you spend to block, the time you spend on lighting, the time you spend on how many takes you use is really where the difference comes in. Television, and I'm just giving you, of course, base averages here, everything's a little different, but you know, two, three takes, you want to be moving on. Because if you've got 25 or 30 camera setups you have to get in a day, uh, you can't spend a lot of time doing takes. And uh, when you spend your time, uh, you've got to take it away from something else. I think it's like the budget and time is a pie. So if you have this big slice for this scene, you've got to have a little smaller slice uh, for another scene because there's only one pie. There's not going to get any bigger. So that's important. Feature films... Um, on the other side, uh, depending on whether it's a you know big big budget, you have a little more room to maneuver 
because you actually have more days to shoot it in. So you can spend more time lighting the scene. You can spend more time rehearsing with the actors. Um, I've had, uh, as an AD on features, I've sometimes just sent the crew away for, say, an hour while the director just blocks the, works with the actors for an hour during the blocking. Then you call, call the crew back in, and, and we block it and mark it, and then the DP can light it. Uh, that's why you do feature films. It, it's you know, there's more. It, it's, it, it's technically it's you know it's, they're bigger and more things can happen. So that's really the process there. But but Rex, the same process that five stages is everything you do. It's just time, the time and the budget to do it is different for every project. That's all. And it, it is useful for a director, first AD, and people making their films to understand that process so that they can. Um, so that they can work with it. I mean, uh, yeah. let me. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you this, um, and, and let me also say that you addressed something that that uh, another guest of mine did. He's a showrunner, producer, writer, director, actor as well, uh, Bob Frazier, who was on recently, who said, "Oh yes, you yeah. know, in, in, in terms of TV, he said, you know, the actors have to show up prepared and, and ready to and ready to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't, just don't have the rehearsal time that you would have you exactly know, in yeah. film. So, no, that's a good but point. For the because- actors, Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> We're both going to tell each other to go ahead for a while here. Um, <laughs> I was say, I was just saying that, that, that for the actors listening, I mean, that's something to really know and understand the difference between TV and feature. You, you may have the luxury of working more with a director in a feature than you're ever going to have in television. I think we should talk about that for a moment because when I do my workshops or even in my courses and, and anything I talk about, it's always the first few hours in the morning I talk about the politics of the business and uh, all of that understanding. And part of that process is the difference between television and features. And, in, and that is, is so important. And I'm just, I'll speak on that a little bit now, if, if, I, if I may. Um, it's the, it's, you have to understand, and I think Bob was correct on that, and from an actor's perspective, that you need to come in prepared. Every crew member has to be prepared. Uh, I mean, it should be on any movie, but particularly on uh, TV series. And, of course, let's lump in low-budget indie movies because you don't have a lot of time or a lot of money either. So it's the same process. You know, block, light, rehearse, tweak, and shoot. So the actors come in, and you don't want an actor sitting there for half an hour talking about my motivation on this line. That's not the time to talk about it. You block the scene. Is this where you're going to move? Yep, okay, then take it off the set and then talk about the lines and changes and all of that kind of stuff. That's important to do because... If you're sitting there talking on the set, the crew's not lighting, which means the crew doesn't light. Uh, it, the, clock, the clock just keeps ticking. You have 12-hour shooting or wherever it is, and you just need to expedite that as quickly as possible. Um, so the whole concept of industry politics is important, and, and especially knowing <clears throat> uh, are you doing a TV series or are you doing a feature film because there's you know, sort of different, different aspects to both. And what I'd like to say, and this is a good mantra for people, that um, for example, from a first AD point of view, is that on a feature film, I work for the director with the producers. And on a television series, I work for the producers with the director. And that's a, it took me years for a few years to figure that out and because of both politics. So basically, it's on television, you know, I get hired by the producer or the production manager. The, the director is just like a guest star, comes in, does the show for their three weeks, and they're gone. And uh, 
And so uh, I work for the producers. It's almost like the first assistant director on television and should almost be a first assistant producer because you're standing on set. You can tell the director he's got to cut shots. Uh, I've done this before. No, can't do this. We're running out of time. Uh, let's try to figure out how a better way to do this. We're in a feature film. Um, I work for the director. They hire me. And, uh, and then I work with them to be physically responsible like everybody else. But if uh, the director is a lot of shots and, and we're still not finished, it's the producers have to deal with it. That's either time or they tell them to cut it, depending on who the director is. So that's sort of the hierarchy, and it's very important to know. I think if there's anything that any your listeners come away with today is there's a difference in the politics between television and feature films, and they need to know that. It's like you know you said you know I start off 35 years in the business. I like to you. I've worked and survived, and part of the survival is to understand the politics. So that's pretty critical. Well, and, and that's an excellent point. Career longevity uh, results from doing your job well and, and, and understanding politics. Thank you. Well, and I think also, um, you know, who, where are you going to burn your bridges, you know? And <laughs> we've all done right. that before. And, you know, this is a – so, Rex, as you know, and everybody listens, we're dealing with a creative um, environment here. I mean, it's not all creative, but the process totally, the end result is all about creative. You have artists, uh, and I, I think also it's important to understand that everybody is a filmmaker. It's the craft service person, the grip, the lighting, the, the, the tow-shot uh, driver. We're all filmmakers because we're all helping to make the film. When people say, well, um, you know, you're a filmmaker, does that mean you're the director? And no, it could mean you're, like I said, you're an electric or you're an AD, uh, you're a hair, makeup, and wardrobe. We're all filmmakers. We're in the business. That's what we do. And uh, it's something that empowers us to say, yes, I am helping to make a story, to tell a story. Because without me, as the dolly grip or whatever, the director can't do the show. So it's, uh, it's, just, it's nice to know that. As well as in a creative environment, uh, as in any art form or creativity, you show up and everybody's organized and then something happens and the director says, you know what, this is better, the sun is in a different place, let's shoot over this way or let's do this or an actor walks in and said, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, the furniture was like this because at this point until you walk into a location, it's like until it's dressed, even the director, you don't really get to know what the set's looking like. So you have to sort of go with the flow and I think that we all need to understand that and you need to go with the flow based on you know, how much money you have and how much time you have. And that's usually where production managers and line producers, um, sort of the buck stops there. And they're the ones that say go or not go. So it's, it's important. It's, those are important issues as well. So in your experience, let me, and this is a quick question, and I'm going to have to take a break. But um, if, if all things were equal, and we obviously know that they can't be and they aren't, but let's pretend for a second that all, if all things were equal on a set or a production, uh, whether you had a, a $10 production or a $10 billion production, um, is it fair to say that probably the, the, long, the thing that differentiates a, 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 a professionally made uh, independent or large-budget movie from uh, a low-budget movie is the amount of time taken in the lighting process and, and in getting the look? And the quality of the craft service. Yeah, and the <laughs> very I mean, that's important, right? You know, Army it works is. on its stomach, so does the film crew. Uh, yes, you're correct. Um, it is the length of time it takes to, um, to rehearse your scene, to light it, uh, and how many scenes you're doing a day. 
you can appreciate the fact that, you know, a 60-page script, you have eight days to do it. You're, you know, how many pages, you know, it's like math. You know, you just divide it into it and you go, okay, I have X amount of pages I have to do a day. Um, uh, in a, you know, 100-day, you know, $100 million, 100-day shoot for a 100-page script, I mean, you can be doing a page or two a day and, and spend lots and maybe one or two scenes a day and spend sort of, you know, all morning on one scene and all afternoon on another scene. It is definitely the budgets that dictate a lot of that. And the less money you have, I don't want to say, because I was getting into trouble, I'm not going to say you have to be more creative. Of course, that's not true. But you have to be more adept. You have to have more experience. And, okay, well, that's not going to work. How, how can I get out of this scene into the next thing? Um, how can I, um, instead of the actor walking getting up from the couch and walking behind the camera, turning around, uh, maybe he can walk the other way so I don't have to turn the camera around to get a shot of him and clear and spend a lot more time clearing the set and relighting. These are the things you come up with, uh, for example, in, in indie, indie movies and, and television, is how to quickly fix things, how to very uh, know where your last shot is. And director, good TV directors are amazing because they come in and they've got it all worked out and they're gonna, I'm going to start here, I'm going to start here, I'm going to shoot this way. And then I turn around, you know, I look the other way. And then I'm going to start the next scene when the guy walks in the door already looking that way. And so the more you save time of lighting and moving, the more time a director has for shooting, working with, with actors and uh, getting performances. And that's, that's key. I would venture, and, and this is one of those statements where the, the moment I, I think to say it, I go, well, I mean, there are thousands of other things, but... I would venture to say that uh, the difference between the difference between a low budget and a, and, a, and a larger budget film. I mean, where you can tell a low budget movie is is either in the lighting and the way it looks, and obviously the sound. I mean, the two things that people seem to skimp on the most is is lighting and sound. I mean, again, and everything being equal, cast is important, and and you know whether it's film or video, but. Um, you, you see shadows that you would never see in low-budget movies that are, that probably shouldn't be there, <laughs> and you, you know, and and the sound quality often isn't there just because they don't have the money and the time to be able to do those things. But um, I, I agree. That's my opinion. Uh, yeah. No, me, I, me, you're correct. Yeah. Generally speaking. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let me take a quick break and just remind people that if you're listening to uh, dot com. that's Rex Sykes Movie Beat, and uh, tonight at the film festival is uh, 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 Modus Operandi. It's an independent feature shot by Frankie Latina. He's a, he's a Milwaukee resident. He's made a splash at Cine Vegas, and if, you ha- if you're in the area and you have an opportunity, go see Modus Operandi and attend the rest of the festival. And, uh, and be sure to read the blogs and, and the interviews and, again, look at the cast and crew information and everything else right here at RexSykes.com. You're listening to me and my guest, uh, Peter Marshall. I am, again, thrilled to have him here. Peter, now, you know what? The time flies by. We've got maybe, oh, 15, 16 minutes. I want to get back into it, at least begin, and, and I know I'm going to have to ask you, are you prepared to do a part three on this? Okay, Rex. <laughs> we just, just like, we I, have, still go I just want to, I mean, probably because I'm going to stop you and, and add something that I think is very important, and I can't remember yeah, if I talked about it a couple of weeks ago in my last interview, but it's just mostly what you were just talking about that, and I think it's important for filmmakers around the world to understand. You know, you talked about low-budget uh, sound quality, um, 
the lighting uh, and, and sometimes performance is, is always a little bit lax or because of the time or you don't have the equipment, uh, et cetera. Well, I think it's also important to understand, and again, this is my martial way of dividing everything into three things, but for me, it's got to be this way first. It's got to be number one is story. Number two is about performance. And number three is everything else. That's technical, sound, visual effects, everything because it works on that triangle, that if you don't have a good story, or the story is just so bad, it doesn't matter what, you can have Academy Award winning actors, you can have a best DP in the world, and all the visual effects, people are just going to get bored of the story. So it starts with the story. Um, number two is performance. It's like you've got to work with the performances, hire the best actors possible for the job, work with them. Uh, it's better to have uh, rehearsal time in prep. Uh, you know, every director, television, or where movies wants to rehearse with the actors ahead of time to get a lot of the motivational, uh, the script issues all out of the way because you're always going to have issues. Um, and uh, the third thing is everything else. And uh, I've had lots of debates with people uh, on this with, with uh, certain crew members, but it's like I like to use the example. Actually, I didn't come up with this, but a friend of mine did. He's another director. And he said, listen, you take the, the scene in A Few Good Men with Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson when he's in the courtroom and he yells out, uh, you don't know what the truth is or something like that. It's an incredibly powerful movie scene. And he said, if you took Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson, sat them in a ch two chairs, that's it, in a, under fluorescent tubes, took your DVD camera and filmed them just kind of reading that scene or just had their scripts, but they read it like an audition, you would be totally mesmerized by that. And I'm just, you know, just bear with me. Uh, just listen to me for a moment where I'm going with this because you've got great script, excellent performers, and you can tell a story still by two guys sitting in a chair. Is it visually stimulating? Absolutely not. But the point is that you start off with the story, you start off with the performers, and then you add to it. So much now what happens is we do it the other way around, right? We want to get all the best equipment and all this stuff, and, and the story sucks, and, 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 we don't, and, you, and directors come in and don't know how to work with actors, and it all falls apart. It may look good, right? But but that's not not why we go to films. I mean, it's like when you come out of a movie and everybody says, "Well, what'd you think?" And they go, "Geez, I like the lighting. Wow, the visual effects were seamless." Yeah, but did you like the movie? Well, I thought it kind of sucked, and I kind of you know lost my train of thought about halfway through. You know, this is the hard part of making a film. It's telling the story, and the story starts first. Anyway, that's my rant for the day, and uh, I just want everybody to hold on to that and understand that. It's if the story is working, people are going to forgive the technical concept as long as it's not too outrageous, okay? But it's like if they're still mesmerized by the story and hanging on to performers, you've got a movie. And, yeah, uh, absolutely important points that you made right there. So rant away and rant anytime. I appreciate that. And, <clears throat> and, and obviously, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you've got a $10 production or $10 billion production because there are plenty of large studio or large independent feature films where they spend millions of dollars and they have no story and they have no performance or exactly. whatever combination of the two. Yeah. So, and there are those cute little movies that have, you know were made on a shoestring that have incredible performances and the story is riveting. Yes, so, absolutely. But, and, and the indie movies like the film festivals are all out now and the, you're, just, you're just mesmerized by the foreign films we, that, that come in. Well, of course, we're in North America, so foreign is anything out of North America for you and I. But it's, it's all of that. And I just, it's like, don't get caught up in the Hollywood 
movie system. That's where I make my living from. A lot of a lot of people do, and we aspire to do big movies. And there are some incredible movies. Don't get me wrong in the Hollywood you know system, but it's like don't try to emulate you know the big budget movies because you can't. Take your story. What's your individual story? What do you have to say in your country in your language? And what equipment do you have? That's what you're going to use to put this movie together. And, uh, you know, that's the key. Everybody, not everybody can be a filmmaker, but with the access, I think we talked about this before, with the Internet and YouTube and Vimeo and Final, you know, Final Cut Pro and computers, I mean, you can go out and basically start putting films together, five- or ten-minute films and all of that, stories that are incredible, like shorts that are just incredible, moving uh, images and stories that affect people. It's just it's a totally amazing. I just want everybody to understand. It's like take what you have, get the script, get your performers, and make the movie that you want. And when I say movie and film, we're also obviously talking HD and digital and all of that. Okay. Okay, I'm done my rant. <laughs> no, I'm glad. Like I said, rant away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do. We have about ten or twelve minutes right now to to begin to get into the uh, the duties and responsibilities of the first AD doing pre-production. So we're what just so the listeners know is we're not going to be able to get through all of this, and, and I've got so much more to ask Peter. So uh, and Peter will be my guest now for the next 49 shows. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> with a break at Christmas. <laughs> That's right. But uh, but uh, we know we do have a lot more to come. And as long as Peter's willing, uh, I'm so happy to have him here, and and I know that you're happy to have him here too. But let's go into this and and and, and into breaking down the script, if you would. But sure. let me first ask. It's just a separate question, and that is, do you use a particular software for that? I mean, um, uh, or yes, the the, the the industry standard is EP scheduling uh, for computer breakdown. Um, it's the old movie magic, as it was called. It's now called EP scheduling. And uh, it's the industry standard, um, at least in North America, I know that, and, and anywhere. It's, we call it Movie Magic EP because it, it integrates right into budgets and they have it into even script programs. There are a lot of other programs that are out there. Um, I think it's Celtics or something. I haven't tried any of these. Yep. They're either free or very low cost. My, my uh, advice to everyone is whatever works for you and your budget, it'll – you know, it's the it's just it's a program. It's it's what you do with it, right? Is where the magic comes out of. So you know, it's, it's that's just what I've used. I'm not doing anything else. I've learned the program for years, and I'll stick with it. So that's just what I use. All right. So um, so let's begin with uh, breaking down the script. What to do? How to do? Where do you start? Sure. What, well, I think the first thing is. Um, you know, I just want to talk about the, the script for a second before I actually get down into into the details. And and there's it's a story script or a shooting script. And and really, what happens is the first script you read um, is before you even get a job is is really the story script. And I, it's sort of a breakdown. I don't think people set out to say it's a story script, but it's really um, a script that number one usually has no scene numbers and has longer scenes in it. Uh, more exposition because it's really uh, for it, it's given out to the people that are um, financing the movie. Like act, you want you want an actor to read it, or you want a banker to read it. So it's really the story structure. Like I said, it, it just gives you the whole story and with no scene numbers in it. And and then once the the, the you've got money for the show and you're hired, you want to start breaking into what we call a shooting script. And a shooting script is really the script that is seen by the camera. All right, and that's the difference. 
And this process involves uh, numbering the script or renumbering it, um, splitting up scenes so they make more sense logically. So, for example, in the shooting script, it may have John is in his car driving down the street. He pulls up to the apartment building. He gets out, goes in, says hi to the security guard, steps in the elevator, goes up to the 28th floor, steps out, sees his wife in the kitchen, uh, goes, gives her a kiss, and then goes into the bedroom to see his kids. That could all be like one scene in your sh- in your uh, story script because it's just telling the story. But when you break it down, you may have to do two or three different parts of that. The first part, because depending on the location, I don't think, uh, unless it's the beginning of a movie and that's what you're doing, but uh, you're not going to go up on an elevator for 28 you know, floors. So it's really uh, the car arriving, he goes into the building as one. Um, he gets into the elevator is another shot. Um, the elevator door opens. He's in the hallway upstairs. could be another location. He enters the apartment. That could be a set on a stage you're going to shoot two months later. You have to. It's almost broken into four separate scenes. So you start once you see locations and you know that this is the, the set or the location and then the director has this is how he wants to do it. You start breaking it down accordingly. So all of a sudden that scene now becomes four scenes put together. And that's important. And, and it's really making it as you know as seen by the camera and this gives everybody all the crew props wardrobe transport everybody an idea of what they need per scene so that's really the process of thinking of the script in a different way when you start to do your work and even the director thinks that okay it's like well i, I can't do all this in one shot so how, how do i break this down what are my transitions and you're basically analyzing it in detail and breaking it into its small elements and so li- well, go ahead. No, go ahead, and, let, and then no. I have a question. Yeah, no, that's well, the only thing. The only thing. I mean, you break that down. So let's say there's a scene where John is now in his kitchen, and he looks over and sees an empty bowl of cereal on the table. It, that's not necessarily part of coverage. That is where you would then break it down as a separate shot of the cereal bowl, as, as opposed to an that's that's a, that's it's a one scene. If he comes into the kitchen, sees the empty, uh, you know, uh, empty cereal bowl, or he opens the fridge and there's a close-up of, you know, there's no milk in the fridge. Those are all shots within the scene. You don't break those up at okay. all. But what will happen is if he walks, but wh- how he would break it up, for example, if he sees the cereal bowl and it's empty, he goes, opens the fridge, and, he, you know, we see there's no milk. And then he walks, he's disappointed, he walks out and he stands at the window <clears throat> and he looks out and we see his point of view of 28 floors down or the lady across the way. That could be a separate shot because it, the building you're in, you could be in a set. So you need like a you, you need a part of that scene, which is John's point of view of downtown, you know, where Milwaukee, right? And that's a second unit shot or a, another shot, setup shot to do that. So you would part that out. Okay, so for clarification, it's it's and I want to make sure I clarify this correctly, or, or correct me if I if I don't. Mm-hmm. In other words, when he looks out the window, because it's a separate location, that gets broken out. But you don't break out that he turned and looked at his wife. Because no, that's if, part of the word. it's basically even if it's his, even if it's his point of view. I mean, in other in other words, if his wife's in the set, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's you. You kind of think the scene is where's the camera, and who's all in relationship to the camera. Think of it that way, and. And, I mean, you could be in a real location. See, here's the, here's the cap. That's why there's, like I always say, there's no rules in filmmaking, only sins. That was my, my, my Frank Camper quote, and I love it. It's my mantra. Um, is that if you're on a real location mm-hmm. in the 28th floor of an apartment and 
all the windows are around and you can see the you can see the city you can see the port you can see everything i mean you're right there you could maybe do uh, a lot of those shots you could do a shot where all of a sudden <clears throat> you know the opening of the scene is all of a sudden the camera what the camera's looking at uh, looking at is well i'm in vancouver so i mean right now we have a port and a harbor and uh, the city and mountains well you could start with that shot and we don't know where we are we just oh we're outside but all of a sudden the camera starts to pull back and all of a sudden we're back from a window and all of a sudden we're over the shoulder of an actor in who turns around who takes us to his wife. You can do that kind of process. You can do all that live in a real location. Or if you're in a set and we talk visual effects, you can have a green screen out there, right? And the plate shot, we're getting complicated, but this is what you wanted. You have a plate shot of someone then shoots the, the mountains, uh, and the downtown area, and that's in the green. That, they'll put that in after, and then the camera starts on green and pulls back over the guy's shoulder and turns around into it. I mean, that's done all the time. So it just depends. <clears throat> Are you in a set? Uh, what's the shot the director wants? Um, and Or are you on a real location, and can we get it there? And that all is, like I said before, pre-production is a process of discovery. You discover this as you go through uh, location scouts, when the director gives you shots, when he knows how he wants to shoot it. And so those are a couple ideas right there. Anything that happens within the scene, kids come out, close up on this, that's all in the scene. Now, you can siphon off, <clears throat> for example, to talk about your cereal bowl, is there's no actors in the cereal bowl, it's just a close up of an empty cereal bowl. Maybe at the end of the day you do that shot because the actors could go home and you just shoot that. And we call those little pickups to do or inserts uh, that you can pick up and do. And that just expedites your time of shooting. It makes the shooting time more valuable. So you have all these expensive actors hanging around, a crew hanging around, and trying to get a shot of a cereal bowl. Um, you know, that might be 20 minutes of wasted time at that point. And for the fans out there, as opposed to the filmmakers, they, they might get the insert of somebody writing a check and that may have been released hours ago and it's somebody else's hand oh and that could be done two months later with a with a double and that happens a lot i think if you look at an insert is definitely is just something that i always think of inserts as neck down right from an actor in other words you don't see the actor's face you can do photo doubles you can do wardrobe you can do hands we've got body doubles hand doubles uh all of that kind of stuff that you can do um to do that. So I think when you see the shot of the drawer opening and there we see a gun or the close-up of someone writing a check, um, you can, I wouldn't bet on it all the time, but you could bet that that's a, an insert, uh, either done later, uh, could be with the actor or not with the actor. And um, it's just, and, and sometimes they cut the scene together and the editors and producer and director go, you know, I need a transition here. Well, let's do a shot of him, that's just you know, him writing the check because then I can pop around the other side. Plus, we need to see what he's um, to see what he's uh, writing because it's the name on the check is important. We forgot to get that. Then that could be done, you know, two months later or even in post in, in um, post production. They'll do inserts. They have they come back for what we call reshoots and inserts. You see that happen on the big movies a lot. And and I'm so glad that we're discussing this because. Uh, especially for the for the the newer filmmaker, I mean, just in terms of being able to, as you said, expedite your shooting schedule and and uh, and get what's important, then come back later, and you might not even need the actors on the set. You can use doubles. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's 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 good that we've discussed this. Well, um, it's part of the process, Rex. I know your your time's clicking here, but it's part of the process of 
designing the schedule and thinking on the fly and say, listen, we don't need this shot of the actors right now. We can delay them. We can get it first up tomorrow morning and uh, while the actors are in makeup and we save some time. These are all the things that the that not just the first AD, but the director and the DP think about and, and the producer trying to think about how do we get all the shots in the and use the best, um, use our time wisely. Absolutely. Now, literally, we have about two minutes left, maybe maybe less than that, and uh, and and Peter and and I will schedule the third installment of this um, just as soon as we possibly can. I, I I find this so fascinating. I know that our listeners are as well, and I, I appreciate this so much. So in the in the remaining time that we have, we were still talking about breaking down the script. <laughs> I mean, just just a minute or two. Would you? How would you like to to uh, sum up what we're going to do? We're going to come back and and continue on breaking down the script and preparing one-liners and shooting schedules and things like this. But um, well, I think I think what I'll do is I'll I'll give you know in the one minute I'll just sort of say well here's the next stage what you do and then when we come back we can talk about each individual stage. I think maybe that's the way cool. to go and scheduling factors and all of that and and there's the there's the just very quickly there's the three stages of creating the film schedule. You know, which is breaking down the script, preparing the production boards, and then designing the schedule, and that's accomplished in an eight-step process. And I'll give you the the headings, and then next time we'll start talking about them. Which is you got to read the script, which we talk about. Number two is number the script, um, and then uh, you um, mark the set descriptions, you mark the characters. You mark all the other elements in the script, like stunts, props, and costumes. You figure out a page count and the script days and the cast number list. And that's really how you start to to do the process of creating a one-line uh, shooting schedule based on the script. And we can start start there next next time. That is excellent. Now, now some screenwriters, obviously, they use Final Draft, and Final Draft has Tagger, which has some script breakdown uh, elements. Are you familiar with that? Do you, do you ever use any of that? Uh, basically, I take whatever script I'm given on written or whatever format, and that's what I use. I don't put input a script in any computer. I just use a hard copy of the script and input into my, my uh, EP scheduling program. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the script is, uh, like the format of the script. I mean, it should be in eighth pages. There's a certain style of it. that there's, I mean, people should know when they write a script, you can pick any scripts out of any Drew scriptorama or whatever. Just look what a script is, and that's the format you need to be following. Um, and that's important. Absolutely. Yeah. Peter, I just want to say thanks so much for sharing uh, your your knowledge, your expertise, and your wisdom here today. I uh, really do look forward to having you back real soon. Um, I've got to kind of tell the listeners that right now uh, I go into pre-production on a, on, a, on a TV pilot that's coming up. I don't know yet what the coming schedule will be. Um, our next show is going to be with uh, Scott Rosenfeld. He produced Home Alone and Mystic, Mystic Pizza. And then uh, Pete Biaggi, who's a cinematographer, he'll be here on the very next show. And then I am scheduling future shows. So stay tuned and and be updated, and we will schedule Peter uh, just as soon as we possibly can, and sooner rather than later, Peter, if that's all right with you. We'll talk after. Thank you, Rex. Thank you so much for being here and uh, and for sharing as you have today. Uh, I certainly enjoy it. I know that the listeners learn a lot. I learn a lot, and I really do appreciate that. Thanks so much. You're welcome. All right. So you've been listening to Rex Sykes Movie Beat at www.rexsikes. Of course, I love to hear your comments. You can email me directly through the website. You can go to the blogs that are there, and if you see a comment section or if you're listening to this live, certainly give a comment. 
And please do tweet uh, your friends. Uh, thanks for following on Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Uh, thanks for being part of the uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat Facebook group. Oh, you can visit Peter. I didn't give out his website. It is definitely on um, on uh, on my website. Uh, go to Peter's bio page, and you'll see his uh, his official links. Uh, and then you can find actioncutprint.com. I believe is the website off the top of my head. So go and visit uh, what Peter has to offer. He's got some excellent products. Uh, for people who are in this business who want to learn how to do it better and more efficiently and more effectively. Um, stay tuned and come back to uh, Movie Beat, uh, you know, again and again. If you see me in public, say hi for sure. And um, I want to tell everybody have a fabulous day. Complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that is a wrap.